Good day, fellowship family. It's great to have you here. Happy Thanksgiving. What a great, what a great time of the year. I absolutely love it as we can stop and we can pause and we can reflect and we can thank God for his goodness in our lives. Uh, man, God has been so good to us. We've all had the opportunity to be a part of a church where you can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's one of the greatest gifts ever given. We're actually going to be talking about how, how do we become generous together. At, at this point in this series, we've been talking about how do we gather around? How do we move from being a watcher of what God is doing and how to be engaged in what God is doing? How do we move from being a receiver in a church to being a giver in the church? And we've, we've talked about uh, what happens when God, you know, when we worship God together, what happens when we're in the word together, what happens when we fellowship together. So I think it's fitting for us to all even ask this question about what happens when we're generous together. And whenever I talk about generosity, I get people who go, don't, oh man, I know pastors have a tough job talking about giving in a church. And I'm like, absolutely not for me. I absolutely love talking about this topic because it's not so much about money. It's about treasure. And generosity is all about our treasure. And so if I'm going to be talking about this, I absolutely love talking about our treasure, your treasure. If I were to sit down with you and uh, maybe we had breakfast or lunch or dinner or something like that, and uh, I were to kind of sketch out what do I mean by treasure, I would kind of probably take out a, a napkin and kind of sketch and illustrate what I'm talking about. And I'm just going to ask you to afford me the opportunity to pull this napkin out. It's a big napkin, but it's one that will help us kind of understand that. And uh, I, I want us to think about really what is generosity all about, because God is the giver of everything. He flows everything into our lives. And uh, I love what Psalm 145.16 says about God. It says, you open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. I mean, I saw when I came in here and I saw worshiping, I saw people looking out in the forest there, you know, and, and that's a great, great view of, of God's creation. But God feeds birds. He feeds every living thing. He gives you your next breath. He opens up his hands. He satisfies the desires of every living thing. This is the good God we have. I love what Jesus says about treasures. He said this in Luke chapter 12, verse 34. He says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I want you to think with me about your treasure and I'm kind of crude in my drawing skills, but it's, again, just an illustration on a napkin, right? So here's your treasure box. And Jesus is saying, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. That's where your heart is. It's in your treasure. Now, what is a treasure? How do you know what your treasure is? Well, I want to give you four words as you think about treasure, because it really helped me in all my studying of what is a treasure. I came across four words that were always used in it, and one of them was significance. Where do you find 
significance. Oh, Joe, that's really tough. I haven't, you're asking me to think. It's 11.20 in the morning. How in the world can I think about what's significant in my life? Where do you find significance? Well, let, let me go to the three other words. Where do things flow effortlessly out of your life? Where does your time, your energy, your money, where does it flow effortlessly from you? Chiefs are playing. Let's go. Effortlessly, right? KU beat Texas yesterday. Yes! I mean, awesome. Honey, let's buy season tickets. Do you know how expensive they are? I don't care. We're going effortlessly. Apple just has an upgrade. They've skipped the iPhone 8. They're going iPhone 12. Let's sign up, pre-order well into 2020. I mean, we're ready for it. Things flow effortlessly. You make the time. You well up the energy. You make the money available. We find the money to do whatever we want to do. Joe, you want me to give? Oh, yeah, but Coldplay just has come up with their new album. I pre-ordered that one. You found the money for it. We do. When our treasure are those things... Things move effortlessly. And we do it joyfully. That's the attitude that we do it. Joy. Of course, I get to do this. I don't have to do this. We don't pay our bills with joy. We pay our bills out of obligation, right? And then that final word, expectation. Expectation. We expect that when we get them, we will have or be who we really want to be. Ask yourself the question, what, where do I find significance? Where does time, energy, and money flow from me effortlessly with joy, with great expectation? Let me share you what my treasure is. I love gadgets. I love gadgets. I was here, I was speaking last night, and uh, two of my kids and my wife were there. They looked at each other and go, of course, this guy loves gadgets. Whether it's VR goggles, or the latest upgrade, or, you know, my Garmin, or I always am upgrade. I'm always looking for that next little gadget to make life better for me. Why, though? Because that's gadget. I don't bow to these things. But if you looked at my time, my energy and my money, you would see a pattern. You would see a pattern. That's why I believe if you follow the flow of time, energy, and money, you will find the treasure in your life. Look at your calendar. Look at your bank statement. You'll find your treasure. Because the physical always follows the spiritual. That's how it happens in my life. But you know what? It's more than gadgets. I think if I'm honest and I'm real... I would tell you that I love to be relevant. I find my significance in being relevant. I love new ideas. I love uh, ministry opportunities. I'm always, if you work with me, there's always an idea I'm sharing about the next thing we can do. I'm always moving because I don't want to not be relevant. I don't want to sit back and let other things happen around me. That's where I find my significance. I'll tell you what my treasure's not. My treasure's not hair care products. <laughs> Why? Look. See that? That's a lost cause. 
I don't go, wow, what can I do to hang on to it? Now, I may envy some of you guys with rich, luxurious hair, Fabio-like, well into your 60s, but that's not me. I can't make a difference with my hair. So it's not my treasure. I just kind of, well, that's not going to be me. What's your treasure? What's your treasure? I've been around a lot of people whose treasure have been the progress of their children. And their whole lives, they find significance and they find the flow of their time, their energy, and their money based on how their kids are doing or how they're not doing. And they pour that time and energy and money into it. I've seen people who've had treasure of approval where their friend count is important. The group they're a part of, the clothing budget for acceptance is important to them. I've seen people who have longed for companionship. That has been their treasure. And I've seen them compromise their character just to have a warm body next to them at night. I've seen people with pleasure and adventure as their treasure. And if you follow the flow, you'll find that there's vacations and excursions and hobbies and adventures. I have people, I know people who have a treasure of of respect and admiration. And so it affects the car they drive, the house they live in, the clothes they wear, the people they hang with. You follow the flow, you'll find the treasure. And our treasures are warring. They're warring between each other. Our treasures will either be Christ or it'll be counterfeit. Let me illustrate some more on this because Jesus said in the same statement he talked about where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He talked about this concept of do not lay up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy or where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. And let me just draw a crown here, because that's where we will be with Christ for eternity. This crown is a picture that's to give us a perspective in all of our lives right now. And here at Fellowship, we talk about treasures that we lay up in heaven. And there's three words that describe everything that will last. What's really going to last from this world into the next? And we have, there's three words. We say God, we say his word, whoa, excuse me. I'll make that into that. Okay. His word. And then, church, what's that last one? People. You're catching it. You're right. Because people last forever. People will spend either eternity with God or without him. And we believe that we want to make a difference in the lives of people. Those are things that last. But there's another reality in our lives. If Jesus doesn't return... There's going to be a day when we die. And uh, this is a gravestone. And someday, if Jesus doesn't return back, Joe Hishma is going to be in a grave. I was born in 1965. I don't yet know when I'm going to die. But someday, if Jesus is patient, I will pass. And there are going to be things in that day that if they're my treasure... I will experience loss, like money, like houses, like our cars, like our toys, like our bling. (laughs) Things that make us feel significant. 
things that if we could track the flow of time, energy, and money, that's my treasure. We're going to lose those things. But what will last? What will last in this world and into the next? We kind of look about it, Joe, don't ruin my life. And we kind of view generosity with subtraction. If I give, I will lose. If I give, I will miss out. If I live, it's not, my life will be joyless. But what Christ is saying is, I multiply what you give into eternity. These will experience loss. When we are generous to the Lord, we experience a conversion into eternity with God, his word, and people. Why am I excited about this? Why am I excited? Because as a pastor, I'm here to prepare you for this day, to live at this day with confidence that you would have confidence on your day of death that you would have Christ and that you would be here in eternity. And so I'm here to prepare you for this day, and I'm here for you to enjoy that day, eternity. And we can do that when we're generous. Generosity kind of pulls our claws off of these things and kind of shows us the picture of things that last forever. That's what God wants to do when we're generous. Now, why should we make Jesus our treasurer? Why should he be the greatest thing, or the most significant, that the effortless flow of time, energy, and money move joyfully and effortlessly and expectantly from our lives? Why? Because, because, listen, he made us, he made us his treasure. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. It says this, For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich... Yet for your sake, he became poor so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Think about this. I love how Timothy Keller unpacks this verse. It really changed the way I viewed it. He said, think about this. Jesus is up in heaven. He has, before he came to this world 2,000 years ago, he has the glory of the angels. Matter of fact, he had all the money that he needed because they actually don't have the same value of money in heaven that we do here. And, and they pave streets with it. Okay. It's like gravel to, to them up there. It just doesn't have the same pull. But, but Jesus left that because he didn't have one thing. He had everything, but he didn't have us. He didn't have us. And so he took on flesh and he came and he lived a perfect life for us because we can't do that. And he knew that. So in order to have us, to get us, he came and lived a perfect life. He knew that we couldn't, we couldn't pay the price for our salvation, but he could. He was the perfect sacrifice, and so he died on a cross for our sins. He knew that we couldn't defeat the power of sin and death, even by our own death. So he rose from the grave and defeated the power of sin and death. And he made us his treasure. You are loved by your heavenly father. And he left everything. Christ left everything so that we could be something in him. That's why we make him our treasure. So what does it look like to be generous together? Take a look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 
If you have your Bibles, open up there, because I think this is a really pivotal passage. As you're turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, let me give you a little bit of background of what's happening in that passage. Paul wrote this to the church in Corinth, hence Corinthians. And so he writes this to this church, and this church was affluent. They had a load of money. They had influence. They had wealth. They had opportunity. And if you take a look at the church, by and large, it was a Gentile church, which means non-Jewish. It was made up of people who used to worship other gods, and they had their hearts melted by Jesus, and they started following him. They weren't a perfect church. But you, you move back to Jerusalem, which we were, Paul was really calling them to give and be generous to. Jerusalem was really struggling. They were under a famine, and people were starving to death. And so Paul called on these churches that he went to, and he said, we need to give. We need to give generously. And so... He presents this to Corinth, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, they go, of course, we'll give. Yeah, count us in. We'll pledge. (laughs) In 2 Corinthians, months went by, and they still hadn't given. They said yes, but their actions said no. Paul shared it with another church, a church in Philippi. They were the poor church. I mean, really poor. And Paul said, hey, we have a church in. They said, of course, we'll give. And out of their poverty, God welled up rich generosity. And they gave far beyond their capacity to give. It's amazing what they did. And they blessed the church in Jerusalem. And it so set the picture of generosity to Paul that he now writes 2 Corinthians back to the church in Corinth and says, hey, can you do this? Because this is what God will do if you're generous. Look at this. Verse 11 of chapter 9. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. There's a word mentioned twice there. It's called thanksgiving. That's what happens when we're generous together. When we're generous together, thankfulness grows. It just does. Here's what I found when I'm generous. When I'm spending it all, I get to the end of the month and I go, where did it all go? When I spend more than I make and I spend into debt, then I go, my goodness, I need to make more money. It makes me discontent with the blessing of God in my life. When I covet what you have that I don't yet have and I want it and I save for it, it makes me discontent with what God has given. But when I'm generous, look out. Look out. I just grow in thankfulness. I start realizing, yes, God, thank you for allowing me to give. Thank you that I get to have the opportunity to give. Giving liberates us from discontentment. Giving shows us uh, into that that whole picture of God's uh, generosity to our own lives. I've seen a whole bunch of income levels give to the Lord. I've been in India. I've been in a slum there where people took an offering and gave generously. And I looked around me and I thought, my goodness, these people make nothing. And they're generous with the Lord. I've seen the rich give and I've seen them give legacy gifts that made a huge difference. But here's the deal. God calls all of us into giving. And as he does that, he grows us in thanksgiving, when we're generous to him. Giving appreciates and orders everything I've been given to the giver of all things. You want to grow in thankfulness? Grow in generosity. You want to destroy thankfulness? Live on more than you make and get into debt. Ignore, stop giving. 
it ruins thankfulness. I think that's just one of the greatest joys. And Paul's saying it's not just in your life. When people, when you help people, when you're generous in your life, when you meet needs for ministry, when you meet needs for the poor, what do they do? They go, thank you, God. That's what they do. They thank God for you. It just wells up thankfulness on both sides of the giving model. But something else happens. Take a look in verse 13. Paul says, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and all the others. Just pause it. A lot of words strung together. What does it mean? Ultimately means that the more generous we are, the more God's glory grows in us. It expands in us. And when we talk about God's glory, what we're basically saying is we're talking about the greatness of God in our lives. When you give glory to God, you're making him bigger. You're making him greater in your life. And as I mentioned, the physical always follows the spiritual. Time, energy, and money follows your faith. When God is small to me, I tend to give him small things. As his glory grows in me, as his greatness becomes more important to me, I give him that, I I give him more. And when he's great, greater things move from my life into his world. The larger picture here of what was happening in the church of Jerusalem is by and large, they didn't like the Gentile church. They said, you need to become Jewish before we'll accept you. But when the Gentile church in Corinth gave... It melted their hearts. They said, of course, we'll accept you now. Of course, you're a brother and sister in Christ. Of course, we're thankful for you. We're thankful to God for you. It broke down walls. Do you realize that? That, And I would say this is true of us as a church. The more generous we are outside of these walls, the more walls are broken down in our community about us. When we've shown up and done landscape overhauls for 501 schools, the first year we showed up, they were like, who are you? What do you want to do here? Well, don't do that and don't do that and don't do that and stay outside. And right now they're like, come on in. We'd love to have that happen. Awesome. We're so thankful for you. Generosity tear, tears down walls. We even have respect from people who, don't, who choose not to believe at all in God or believe there is no God because we're generous in the city. God uses, he breaks down walls and his glory becomes greater in this world. People get a bigger picture of God when they see his followers give generously. And then take a look at verses 14 and 15. I love how he ends this. He says, while they long for you and pray for you. See that passage there? They love, they loved him for doing this because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Before I move on, I just want to say Paul made up that last word, inexpressible. That's not in the Greek. There was no reference. It's never found in any Greek literature. It would be like, I don't know if you've ever done this. Have you ever invented a word to say a word that you can't express in the English language? Here's my word, fantabulous. That's my, that's my word. I go, when I am so excited about something, that is just fantabulous. That's what Paul did with inexpressible. 
Thanks be to God for his inexpressible, fantabulous gift he's given to us. What's that gift? The person and the work of Jesus. Generosity always flows from grace. And it overflows when we understand grace. The more generous we are, the more we realize it's about grace. And I would tell you, grace needs to be the motivator. It's the only sustainable motivator for generosity. I've been a part of a lot of Christian ministries. I've been a part of a lot of different churches. And I've seen them talk about resources on a, from a whole different angle. I've heard it, and sorry, but here. Give to God or he will get you. Now, pass the offering. <laughs> yeah. What do you do on that one? You go, okay, God won't get me anymore. Woo, woo, good for this week. Not going back there again, right? Because fear, intimidation, guilt, shame, they'll get you to react, but they won't get sustainable giving. It, you won't become generous. You'll be reactionary. I've heard this. Guys! If we don't give, I mean, they're going to die. People are starving, man. We got to help. They're hurting. They're suffering. We don't do anything, man. Who, what kind of people are you? And I've seen emotion brought into the mix. And when I've been moved by emotion, again, it moves me more towards an event rather than a character trait in my life. Emotions, I don't know about you. Last time I checked, my emotions are like this. Yeah, so if I want to be sustainable, if I want to be regular in my generosity, it's got to be more than just an emotional play, a few tears here and there. And then I've heard this. It's more the business sense. We have had this many conversions with this amount of money invested. So dollars per conversion. Isn't this a great investment of your ministry dollar? And I've heard that. And those ratios and those metrics, there's a part of me that goes, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. Wow, that's, wow, that's a great deal for my giving. But again, that doesn't sustain generosity in my life. You know what sustains? Grace. Grace. You know, my definition of grace is, it goes way back to my Sunday school teacher who said, kids, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. I have the riches of God, but it was all placed on Christ. He paid the price. Everything we have with God is because of the work of Jesus Christ. It's because Jesus was generous with his life with us, and he made us his treasure. And grace melts my heart. But it doesn't just melt my heart to think good thoughts. It melts my heart to discipline my whole life around grace, to love my wife, to love my kids, to love my church family, to love the people who work with me, to love them like Jesus does. And I have to be disciplined with grace because basically I'm hardwired towards works and performance. And I need to wean myself off off of works so that I can be transformed by grace. It affects every area, including generosity generosity just generates. I mean, grace generates generosity. It just does. Let me, let me give you a, a picture of what this looks like in my own life. I have seen God take my claws off of these things and motivated me into these things by his grace. I used to be really materialistic. I grew up in a wealthy family that was just looking for the next thing to give me that next sense of significance and expectation and joy. 
And those just left me empty. And so generosity has been a liberating force in my life. I hope I'm more generous next year than I am this year, but I'm a whole lot further than I was many years ago. God has transformed my heart to be generous. I've seen God use us as a church family, as many of you have been moved towards generosity. Not only have we met a ministry budget, but we provided space for more people. More people in our old building and now in this new building. You gave over and above meeting our ministry needs to provide the space. That took sacrificial giving, and I've seen God use you for that. I've seen God move more money outside of ourselves as a church family. The average church in America gives 2% of their money outside of themselves. 2%. Fellowship Bible Church gives 20% outside of themselves. When I first came here, that was $200 a month. Do you realize right now it's $50,000 a month? That we're able to bless our community and the nations around the world through partnering with people and organizations to advance the gospel. I've seen us move and help reach unreached people in our nation, in our city, around the world. I've seen us love people who are marginalized in our city. I've seen people move. These, this group right now who's going to Living Water International, they're, they're uh, building wells, freshwater wells, two of our groups. But there's hundreds of you who have traveled outside of the U.S., gave up a week of your vacation, sacrificed, been generous to give fresh water to people who don't have it. I've seen us build churches in India, in Ethiopia, in the Philippines, building churches to reach people that they need to reach in their environment. And I see God doing this in our lives. I see him growing us in thankfulness. I see him proving his greatness to us and overflowing us with his grace. I don't know that there's anyone in this room who would disagree with these principles intellectually. Yet, practically, there's a disconnect. We don't see ourselves significant to the overall picture of what God is doing here. Some of us may go, wow, fellowship is big. This seat is comfortable. Doesn't look like they need it. And the answer is God needs nothing. He doesn't. He has it all. He just wants you to be a part and to reflect who he is. My question to you would really be, do you really want to be generous? Do you want to grow in thankfulness? Do you want God to become greater in your life? Do you want grace to overflow from your life? You can't do that without being generous. I know it's tempting when you look at the perfect church or you have the perfect church in your mind. You go, wow, the perfect church does this for my kids. They provide this for me. They provide that. And you tend to look at the perfect church about what that church can do for you. That's a receiver picture. That's a consumer mentality. But what we're calling everyone here to be is generous. Generous to the Lord in your church. Sooner or later, it's going to take each one of us, when we're generous together, to each make a decision to give to the Lord. You see, the kind of church I want us to be, it really needs to start with me. And that's whether whatever environment you're in, the kind of family you want to live in, the kind of relationship you want your spouse to have with you, that needs to start with you. It does. And the truth of that is, is, 
in the church also. The kind of church, if you want your church to be thankful, if you want the glory of God to become greater in your church, if you want your church to overflow with the grace of God, you've got to be generous. And so we call everyone to do that. And again, because it's treasures, we don't, I know some of you may view this as an uncomfortable conversation. I am motivated by this because I want everyone here to receive the joy and the reward of God by taking some of the things that won't last and converting into things that will last. So how do we do this? Well, I just have four steps I just want to kind of challenge you with as we come to this week of Thanksgiving. The first one is this, give significantly. I don't know what that amount is, but it's usually in relationship to what you make. And you can give um, a certain amount that means nothing to you and is insignificant to you. But David said this in 2 Samuel 24, verse 24. He says, I will not give to the Lord that which costs me nothing. In other words, I won't allow someone else to, to give in my place. I will give significantly to the Lord. I want you to think of a, and pray about amount that you can give to God's work in your church here. And if you're married, I want you to be together on that because most couples are not together on that. You might meet with your spouse and say, hey, what's significant to you? And she'll go, whoa, you boy, this is significant to me. Well, meet, meet in between. And be together. Give significantly. Secondly, give regularly. Remember, um, I think about, think about the whole picture of what's regular. And again, effortless, effortless, regular flow of time, energy, and money out of your life. That's a treasure. None of us can be here 52 weekends a year. Let, let's put it this way. None of us are here 52 weekends of the year. But fellowship is here and providing ministries for 52 weekends of the year. If we don't give regularly, when we attend irregularly, we can't provide the resources needed to do ministry here. And so I always encourage people, hey, set it up online. Go regular in your generosity. Discipline your life around grace. And uh, here's how that form will look online when you go online, whether it's through our app or through our online. You just choose that amount that's significant, and I would just move that little dot over to set it up recurring, repeat this gift. And then it takes about three or four minutes to move you right into from sporadic to regular in your giving. And then give joyfully. I mean, this is the attitude of grace, right? Right? Thank God and celebrate that you have the opportunity to give to him and celebrate his goodness in your life. Whenever I get that statement back from FBC, because I do auto giving, uh, you gave a gift this week. Thank you for your gift. I go, thank you, God, that I could give. When I see the offering plate go by me and I don't usually put something in because I give online and everyone judges me, I just go, God, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity that I can give you that which you have given me. Celebrate it. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. Don't give begrudgingly. Don't give out of compulsion. We don't use shame and guilt to motivate you. We call you to live by grace. Give joyfully. And then finally, give expectantly. Look for God to do something great in your life and in the lives of people you're able to bless. Pray for God to bless it in the lives of those it reaches. 
I think this is so awesome. I love whenever I give to fellowship or to Young Life or I give to um, Topeka Rescue Mission or I give uh, to uh, different groups of missionaries that we support as a family. I just go, God, would you use, would you use this to, to expand the gospel in their lives and in the people that they reach? Give expectantly. Hey, when we're together... God is going to grow us in these areas. He's going to move us. He's going to change us. He's going to transform us. He's going to show us things that last forever. And it's all when we're generous. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for showing us uh, that you have treasured us. Father, that melts our hearts. It melts our hearts so that we would be humbled and we'd be opened to give all that we are and all that we have invested in the things that will last forever. Father, begin with me. Begin with us. May you grow us as we're generous together. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.